Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 46. 46. The David Krejci episode. David Krejci. David Krejci, longtime two center for the Boston Bruins. Um, obviously, you can't think about this era of Bruins hockey without David Krejci. Uh, he's played a, over a thousand games in the NHL. He's played 1,032. He's got 786 career points. Um, 555 assists, more of an assist maker than a, you know, obviously a goal scorer. Also, I, I don't think assist maker is a word, but I just made it up. So, hey, it works in this sense. And who could forget about his legendary Stanley Cup final playoff runs that he had in 2013? That dude was getting a sauce of biscuits all over the ice. But I think that was 2013, right? Where he was going crazy in the playoffs. I think I think 2013 was his best playoff. But I was just going to say, too, obviously, he has the nickname Playoff Krejci. Uh, 160 160 games played career in the playoffs. He has 128 points. I mean, for a playoff career to produce like that is insane. Mm. It's too bad he couldn't have gotten one more cup, though. Do you think – I think we've talked about this before. Do you think he's back next year? I don't. But, uh, yes, you were right. 2013 was his crazy playoff run. He had 17 points in 22 games. Also, 2011, he had 23 points in 25 games. Oh, I, I just read that completely wrong. Those were just his assists. Um, oh, my 20, God. 2013, he had 26 points in 22 games. And then in 2011, he had 23 points in 25 games. So those two years alone Damn. right there. Yeah. Damn. And it's fitting. Those are the two years he went to the Cup. I'm sure he had a big part of that. Oh, my God. Huge. That's yeah, this season. I mean, even this season, he had four points in four games. <laughs> it's it's so weird to go back and to like to look at those. Like I, I saw a picture somebody tweeted today of the 2011 Bruins Stanley Cup parade, because I think it's what the 12 year anniversary of when the Bruins won the cup or 12 year anniversary of their parade or something. Yeah. And like Bergeron was up on stage, like probably hammered to high shits, like, you know, <laughs> giving his talking to the fans or whatever. And he looks so young. Too. And it's I've like I feel like in my brain Bergeron has just always been like the veteran leader of this team, but he was 25 when they won the Stanley Cup, and it's just yeah. it's weird to, to see him like even on stage. I was like, holy shit! Like Bergeron looks like a kid, and like looking at him now, it's weird. Dude, if you go back to that parade too, him and Marshawn when they were wrapping black and yellow up on stage. Oh they, yeah, dude, yeah, that's what it was. That's what yes, the clip was from. They both look like they're just babies. It's it's crazy. It's weird to think about like the age of the like Sagan was a rookie, Marshawn was a rookie, but he was like what twenty three, I think. I Bergeron think so. was twenty five. I mean, David Posternock was probably still in middle school. I don't even know what the <laughs> hell he was. It's just like it's 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 weird. Like oh, you know, all these aging Bruins. I mean, David Krejci was probably what was he twenty four? Yeah, twenty four when they won the cup. And honestly, it's quite impressive that they've still been on this team for so long. And not just that, but they've they're still producing. Like you just yeah. said, I know Krejci only played four games in the playoffs, but he had four points. 
Bergeron is, you know, one of the best captains in the league. He's doing everything out there. Oh man, now I'm getting sad thinking about the season. Ending, I was, but, gonna, but like, but even, we move but on. <laughs> think about that. Like the, that core, that those core group of guys are still here. Marshawn, Bergeron, maybe Krejci. Um, obviously, there's guys on that team who aren't here with the, here on the team anymore. Um, clearly, but the main core, Marshawn, Bergeron, and Krejci, they're all still here. It's it's really weird. Like when you kind of take a step back and like look at all of it, because. I'm I'm 24. I'm like a whole ass adult. You're 25. Yeah. And when like all of everything that I've experienced in my 24 years of life, when Patrice Bergeron was drafted, I wasn't even in kindergarten yet. Yeah, I was still like a year or two out from kindergarten. And like he's still like this monumentally important player on this team, wearing the C, the heart and soul of everything that goes on in this in this organization. It's for twenty years you've had that, and it's weird. I don't know. It is. Oh, it's bizarre. That, grosses, that freaks me out. I yeah. I started thinking about a team without Bergeron, and I got upset. <laughs> I know. Well. Hey, well, anyways, welcome back to the uh, black or not the black and gold, the something's brewing podcast brought to you in partnership with the black and gold productions, LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG productions. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. Um, we got plenty on the docket today. We got some actual news to talk about. Um, Brandon Bussey, one year deal, two way contract. At, I believe it was $775,000. So, We'll talk some Brandon Bussey and what that means for the goaltending future of the Boston Bruins. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit of the trade market. We'll talk a little crying Wyan, which I know we're very <laughs> excited about. And then we'll jump into some of your uh, DMs. So let's start with this Brandon Bussey. Um, I, I don't want to call it a situation, but this Brandon Bussey predicament. Ex- predicament experience we use any <laughs> word but so yeah Brandon Bussey one one year deal two-way contract uh $775,000 I think we all expected Brandon Bussey to get signed I think that was a given as it was it's not like we were all expecting him to hit the market or just not be signed again I think it was with the season that he had in Providence it was definitely expected that he would be a, a member of this team but what's up in the air is his role what is his role going to be on this team what do we expect the role to be and what does this mean for guys like jeremy swayman and, and linus allmark yeah i, I mean uh, uh, i mean i don't think that this is like a smoking gun pointing to the you know indicating that linus allmark has been you know on the block but I don't know. I think a lot of Bruins fans look at this and I mean, we all know the writing on the wall, the cap situation. And, you know, you have two elite goaltenders or at least two goaltenders who played elite last year. And you really don't need to keep one of keep both of them on the same team. And it would you have a million reasons to keep Jeremy Swayman and about nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine to keep Linus Olmark. <laughs> that one big reason is Swayman costs less money. And he's about four years younger. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that the, the, you know, signing, giving Bussy the one year two way means that Linus Omar is out the door. I mean, I still don't think that they're like exactly peddling that trade, but I think it definitely makes the possibility that Omar is going to be moved all the more likely. And I think for good reason. And I think too, you said it a couple episodes ago that uh, 
if Olmark is moved, it would be great for the Bruins to bring in a, a veteran backup goaltender because I think that would be great for Swayman to have a guy like that behind him. But do you think that this signing of Bussy? two questions, do you think that this now further facilitates trading Olmark? And do you also think that if Olmark is traded, that Bussy is now the shoe in to be the backup next year? I think it does open up the door a little bit more for Allmark to be traded. I also don't think it closes the door on Swayman being traded either. I think both of those guys um, are, you know, are, um, are are being threatened to be on the move. Not necessarily, you know, that they they want to, but because the Bruins are in a cap crunch right now and they they have to do something. Um, the second part. I think it would be smart to have a veteran backup behind Swayman. And I think I think if you're looking at it, I think Allmark is the guy to move before Swayman because Swayman is your goalie of the future. He's younger. He costs less. You can get more for Allmark right now, I think. Um, and you're probably looking to bolster the, the lack of center depth that you have with an Allmark trade too. And there's plenty of teams out there who need a number one goalie, who need an elite goalie like Linus Allmark, who have assets in their system that they're willing to part ways with, you know, teams like LA teams like Columbus um, throw, throw another team out there. You, you can make it work, but the Bruins need to clear up cap and Linus Hallmark right now, he's making $5 million. You can, you know, trade for a couple of assets and clear some money on the books. And that might give you a little bit more wiggle room with other moves in order for you to sign Bertuzzi. Because I do, I do think the Bruins are looking to sign Burt, for sure. Definitely. And moving Omar would definitely help that. And I think that's the important thing, too, is that I've seen a lot of people, Bruins fans on Twitter, outraged that at even the notion, the concept of trading Linus Omar. And, like, let's like keep it real. The Bruins, absolutely. I just heard a car honk outside yeah, your window. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're in a perfect world. The Bruins wouldn't have to move Omar. And believe me, they, they don't want that to happen. But, I mean, if you have two goalies, a 1A goalie and a 1B goalie, it makes and, – and you're in a cap bond and you have guys you need to extend, it would make sense if you're if you're trimming the fat. I mean, Omar is, is – a great candidate to be moved as much as I love the goalie hug too. And what you just said too, he would bring back a lot for the right team that needs a number one goalie. I mean, who knows what they could give back. I mean, you're talking young players. You could talk draft picks because the Bruins are star for first after some of the moves that they've been making. But part of me wonders as well, and shameless plug, I said this on what's Bruin like a month ago. Do you think that moving Omar would affect Jeremy Swayman's play at all because the two of them are so close they're inseparable and you can tell that they feed off of each other case in point in the first round this year when they didn't go one two one two as they were for the last you know half of the season and Omar got start started four or five games in a row he kind of started to fall apart a little bit there and his play dramatically declined now I don't know if that was because of an injury which of course we ended up finding out later that it was but part of me thinks that it, the the emotional side of trading a guy who's that important to Jeremy Swayman, maybe that could have a blowback or impact his play at all. Do you feel that way as well? Honestly, I don't. I think Swayman, obviously the chemistry between them two, you can't replace that. Uh, they were clearly the, they were probably the two closest teammates on this team. I, I would have a hard time arguing that, but 
I think Swayman's ready to take over the number one role. And I think, I mean, he's got to understand it's a business too. Like this, this happens. It's not like he was going to be able to play with Omar his entire career. I think he's grateful for the season that they just had. Not, it, it sounds like I'm saying this, like it's already happened. It hasn't, but in the, in the sense of if it does happen, I think he'll be ready to go. I think he'll be ready to take the reins of that number one role. And maybe he can become the, you know, the, the guy who Brandon Bussey looks, looks up to the way that he looked up to Allmark and they can keep that same mentality going between them two. Yeah. Did, did you listen to the podcast that Linus Olmark was just on? Yes. Yes. The, uh, what, the what, I think it was the Leafs talk, right? Yeah. What What were your takeaways from what he said? Well, shout out to uh, shout out to Brett Howard from the Only Ruins podcast because he sent this over to us. Uh, this interview that Allmark was in, and he was just mentioning it, that he doesn't think that he's going to be able to live up to the expectations that he set this past season and that it wouldn't be fair to pe- for, for people to really expect that of him again. And it kind of, not to cross sports, but it reminds me of what Mookie Betts said after his rookie year of how he's like, oh, I'm never going to do, I'm never going to be able to recreate those numbers again. It's that same mentality. And it's like, it's kind of weird to hear from, from Linus Allmark saying that because it almost sounds like he's uncertain in his abilities and he's already doubting himself. Yeah. I, I, I got the same thing too. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, I mean, you and I have been saying it a lot too, is nobody's expecting Linus Omar to do that again. And I'm not saying that Linus Omar isn't going to try his hardest, but you're in the NHL for a franchise goalie trying to win a Stanley cup. That is the absolute last thing I would want my goalie saying is, Oh yeah, you know, there's, I don't want the pressure of being a, you know, an elite goaltender, or I don't know if I can recreate the numbers that I did last year. I mean, nobody's expecting you to, but I don't know like that. Like I, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard him say that, to be honest with you, especially after like the way that he performed in the playoffs. And I know that we've talked about this before about is this year, was this year a flash in the pan he's he's struggled mightily in his playoff starts i think he's had like eight or nine of them now and he has literally like not looked good in like any of them his goals against average is like over four i think he has a sub 900 save percentage career-wise in the playoffs and like that is just so night and day between of what he put up this year and then what he does in the playoffs that like I start to think, damn, like maybe the pressure is getting to him here. He is literally admitting it that he, right. he doesn't know if he can live up to the expectations that he just set for himself this year. And and he's he feels the pressure of being an elite goaltender. And like that worries me. And that makes me happy that I have Jeremy Swayman, too. But that would make me worried moving forward. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm going to kind of piggyback off of that. I used to hear that, you know, that he wasn't a playoff type goalie. He didn't have the mindset of being a playoff goalie for those big moments. And I kind of brushed it off like, yeah, but he hasn't really had too many, you know, in-game experiences to to really support that fully. But but then after hearing that interview, it was like, okay, maybe there is a little bit of something to that because it, it seems like he just might mentally doubt himself a little bit. He was saying, you know, he also mentioned how it's how it's so hard for goalies in the NHL to get 20 wins. It's hard for goalies to put up numbers the way that he did this season. He mentioned Henrik Lundqvist and the consistency that he was able to do it. 
and it's like he's comparing himself to to all these greats but he you can tell him in, in his tone of voice and like brett said as well in his body language it's just there's something there that makes it seem like he's doubting himself and his own abilities and as a goalie you you really don't want to see that out of your guy you want your guy to be like yes maybe i'll take a little bit of a dip but let's all be fair the numbers I put up last year were astronomical and almost nobody would ever be able to sustain that unless, you know, you would be the greatest goalie to ever live. And I think that would have been more fair, but the way that he said it, it was more telling people that no, 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 that's not who I am. Yeah. That's, that's what I got out of it. Yeah. It, it was just, uh, it was just a weird comment to make. And I know like I I'm thank my lucky stars that my dad didn't want me to be goalie growing up because you got to have a tough skin. You got to have the mind of a goldfish. You got to be able to forget, you know, when you let in a bad goal, I mean, you learn from it, but you got to be able to move on from that because I mean, you're not going to get a shutout every single game. You're going to let pucks get past you, but just looking at, you know, this year he had a 938 save percentage and a 1.89 goals yeah. against average in eight, in eight <laughs> career Playoff starts, he's got an 896 save percentage and a 3.54 goals against average. So, yeah. again, nobody's expecting him to be like he compared himself to Henrik Lundqvist come playoff time. But right. you want your guy to have confidence and you want to know that you can trust the guy back there. And those comments that Linus Olmark made just isn't what I was expecting a goalie who just had the season that he had to say. See, but like you, like you just said, no one's expecting him to do that in the playoffs. Nobody's really expecting him to do that next season either. Like everybody in consensus, everybody says there's no way that Linus Olmar can have a season the way that he did last year again next season. So everybody knows that. But the way that he said it, he's like, no, like, I don't think I can do that. I don't believe in myself enough to be able to recreate those numbers or somewhere even close to that. That's that's what made me kind of scratch my head a little bit and be like, OK, maybe there is a little something to this to this, you know, mental block that he holds. Yeah, maybe there's a little something brewing there, huh? There might be. <laughs> there, there might be. There really might be. But. I, I do want to say too. So I was I'm looking at the because um, we were talking about Brandon Bussey, Jeremy Swayman, Brandon Bussey, Linus Hallmark, one of those two, whatever. In in that scenario, you would be comfortable in signing a veteran backup, right? Definitely, yeah. Okay, so the ones that would fit that bill are players or our goalies like Corey Schneider, Antti Ranta, Ilya Samsonov. Um, Martin Jones, Yaro Halak, shout out, maybe a reunite, <laughs> you know, maybe a little uh, throwback blast of the past, bringing Yaro Halak back. Oh, yeah. Thomas Greifs, and then the, the list kind of drops off from there. Any of those ga- any of those guys kind of pique your interest at all? Um, I've always been a huge Martin Jones fan ever since he was on the Bruins for like 10 minutes when they flipped him in that trade. Really? Um, but he, I mean, he's also, he's also a guy who's had his moments in the playoffs. I mean, in 2016, 2017, he, he only had six starts, but he was 935 save percentage of the 1.75 goals against average career wise. He's got a 917 save percentage and a 2.36 goals against average in the playoffs. So uh, at least he shows up and he can play. But um, he's also won a cup, too, which helps. Before you go on, though, I will say last year, Martin Jones made $2.4 million. So he's out of the guys I just named. He's the most expensive. I'm looking more at a guy like Halak. 
I he's familiar with the city. Bring he's familiar with guys like Bergeron. He's um, did he play with McAvoy? Do you remember? I don't remember. I don't remember either. It might have been his rookie year, but I mean he's familiar with the with the team and and the, and you know the city as a whole. And he was only making a one point five million dollar cap hit last year. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he had a terrible year either. Um, Last year, he had a 903 save percentage with 272 goals against average, and he did play with Charlie McAvoy. His last year season here was 2020-2021. Okay. Okay. So so a guy like him, maybe, if you can convince him to maybe sign a two-way deal so that still leaves the door open for Brandon Bussey to come up and, and go down, and you can kind of have a rotational backup system until you figure out something that really works, I wouldn't mind seeing something like that. What about – remember Chad Johnson? Chad Johnson. <laughs> he was nice for the short time that he was here. What about um what about Corey Schneider? I mean, that's a guy who was a he was a damn good goalie when he was on New Jersey when he was at his peak of his powers there for a couple of years, and he kind of fell off. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's um yeah, he's from Marblehead. He's a Massachusetts guy. I'm sure he'd love to come into Boston and play for the city. I know he played in hockey east. Pretty sure he played at one of the Boston. He went to BC colleges. Okay, he did. Okay, so he played for BC. I'm sure there's a, you know, there's a little part of him that maybe wants to at least spend a year here. Corey Schneider wouldn't be bad. Um, he's 37 years old, so talk about ending, wow. ending, you know, ending your career in your home city as a backup goalie. I don't see, you know, why he would scoff at that idea you know what's crazy too when he was I th- when he was still a vancouver product because they drafted him i remember he was playing in the ahl all-star game that was in worcester and i was there at the dcu center and i had a hat that was i went down and i got it signed by as many guys as i could and there were two guys who i desperately wanted to sign it it was um oh, claude Giroux, and yep. it was and it was uh, Corey Schneider. And those were like the only two guys who didn't sign my hat. And I was pissed. But I've always <laughs> loved Corey Schneider. I, I thought that he was great on Vancouver when they had him and Luongo. And I was surprised when he got traded to New Jersey. And he, he had a couple good seasons in, in New Jersey. He finished sixth in the Vesna race in 2015, 2016. And he just kind of fell off. But I think for the yeah. reason you just said, I mean, talk about extra motivation from Marblehead Mass playing for the Boston Bruins and kind of your swan song here for probably your last couple of years in the league. And depending on what other moves the Bruins are able to make this offseason with if they move Olmark, if they can sign, re-sign Bertuzzi. I mean, this could be his last real chance at competing for a Stanley Cup. And uh, I think I might have just talked myself into Corey Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't think it's it's not a terrible idea. I mean... And, and if, like, people are saying, you know, it's 50-50 people saying Bussy's ready, Bussy still needs a year in Providence. But if if Bussy does still need a year in Providence, I think I would be more than comfortable having Swayman and Schneider, you know, backing the net. Yeah. I mean, what kind of future do you envision Bussy having on the Bruins? Because isn't he an, a, a high um... – Oh my God, Jesus, I can't think of words today. Isn't he a high potential guy? And if that's the case, wouldn't he struggle to find starts on this team with Jeremy Swayman? I wouldn't, I don't know, dude, because he's, he kind of burst onto the scene this year. Um, He was never really, he never had stellar 
numbers, not even in, not even at Western Michigan. I mean, his best season, he had a two, five, five goals against and a nine, one, two save percentage, but then he came down to Providence and he started lighting it up. Uh, 20, 21, 22. He had five starts in Providence. He had a two, five, four goals against and a nine, 20 save percentage, a record of three and two. And then this past season, he really exploded. He 32 games played, uh, 22, five and four, 240 goals against and a 924 save percentage. So he was consistently good all season. He's a big guy too. He's six, six, four, if I'm reading that right, six, four, 213, um, 24 years old, still a young guy. Goalies tend to develop a little slower too. So he, he might now really just start to be figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And the situation might be perfect. Um, he's 6'5". I'm sorry. He's 6'5". Damn! Yeah, so he's a big, big, big Lena, guy. Lena Somark sized. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think that even even if they do think that he's ready to be the backup, I still think that there's great value in signing another guy, a veteran, a Corey Schneider or a Halak, if he comes like on a, on a vet deal like you just mentioned. I mean, if... If Jeremy Swayman goes down for a month, I mean, how confident are you in handing the keys over to Brandon Bussey and holding it down for a month? I mean, we just saw last uh, last season, this past season now, when Swayman, what, he hurt his hip or his knee or whatever it was, when he was out for a month and Omar got a month full of starts and the Bruins were fine because Omar was literally Jesus Christ this year. But <laughs> like next year, I mean, if if the Bruins are, you know, if they, if they don't start the season like 20 and 25 and three, like, like they did this year and they can't afford to start dropping some games in a hurry. If their number one goalies out, I mean, you might not be confident saying, okay, Brendan Bussey, man, like you gotta, you gotta steal us some games here. You gotta keep us in these games for next month. And in that case, it might make more sense to turn to a Corey Schneider or Halak or Martin Jones. Cause at least, you know, that guy's done it before. And then, you know, you only for a month, this guy has to make it last before Swayman comes back. So even if the Bruins do think that Brandon Bussey is uh, their number two this year, and even if they feel confident in that, I still think that there's value in uh, in signing a a veteran, like you said, and then like rotating them, sending them up and down, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I just wouldn't do, I wouldn't do the rotation all season. I think you do that early until you find out what's, what's really working. You know what I mean? Because you you Mm -hmm. don't want to have guys being, bust up and down Providence, Boston constantly. You want consistency and you want um, stability back there. What a weird couple of years for goaltenders in Boston, huh? I know. I mean, I we know. had like lockdown with Tuka Rask for all these years. Then we had, you know, everything that happened last year when he was like on the team, but not on the team. And then he was for four games and he retired and then this past year, we had like the greatest one-two combo in the history of the NHL. And then now it's the offseason and Olmark might be traded. It's just yeah. it's so weird the last couple of years what's going on between the posts. No, it is crazy. Like it, it, just the fact that we're legitimately debating trading the more probable than not Vesna winner the year after he wins is insane. And but- that's what. Well, crazy because they're in a position to do that. Like they can right. do that. And hypothetically, I mean, we're thinking they can do that and really not miss a beat. Well, that's the other thing, too. It's that the Bruins are in a position. They're lucky that they have two goalies who are more than capable of being the number one guy for this team. So it's really them having to make the choice between Swayman or Allmark. And I think that choice is to roll with Swayman in the future. He's younger. He shows promise. He's grown up in this system. 
and you can get value for Linus Allmark right now. And you can, and as we all know, this team is going to have holes in the center position for years to come. If nothing is done about it right now, and you have the assets on the team that are expendable for you to be able to accomplish that right now. If you're if you're trading Linus Olmark, what kind of package are you looking to get back for him? Is it a young, a young center like you just mentioned? Young center, a hundred percent. Either a young center, meaning somewhere in the age range of like uh, twenty one to 24, 21 to twenty five, something like that, or you get an already established center who's capable of playing that one C two C role, and hope that he fits into the system. I would personally, I would rather, you know, look at younger guys that may have fallen out of favor. Guys like who who have been mentioned in the past on Twitter, in in different articles around ho- the hockey world. Guys like Quinton Byfield, guys like Alex Turcott, guys like that. I would love to see brought over to this team. Outside of that, I want to stay away from Pierre-Luc Dubois I think he's a mess. I think he's a train wreck. He's only <laughs> going to bring headaches, dude. Like, I just don't even – don't even. He's already shown that he's disloyal to teams that he's a part of. He requested a trade out of Columbus or Winnipeg, wherever the hell he started, and now he wants out of uh, Columbus. Is he in Columbus right now or is he – no, he's in Winnipeg. He wants out Other of way, Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he's he's been vocal about wanting to go to Montreal. And we talked about it last episode, too. It's going to be the funniest thing in the world where Montreal's like, dude, OK, you can you want to play for us. But like we we kind of like don't want you. So <laughs> here's a so vet minimum. Yeah. Here's, yeah. I know you're only 24, but here's a vet minimum. You know, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's crazy when we're talking about like offseason moves for the Bruins. Like, you know, yeah. Should they trade? a goalie who just had one of the greatest seasons of all time. So they could sign this, you know, 28 year old guy who had a couple back to back 30 goal seasons. But we also have seven defensemen that we have to deal with. And it's just like, the more you talk about it, you start to like really realize like how freaking incredible this team was last year, like roster wise. And it's just like, I can't believe they lost in the first round, man. <laughs> like I, I thought, I, I thought I was over it, but after like talking about is Omar getting traded, um, I saw a hypothetical trade today. Somebody talking about trading uh, McAvoy and Jake DeBrusque, and I think uh, like Lysel or somebody for Connor Bedard. It's like, damn! Like the Bruins really had all of these guys down their team last year. They had an MVP and a thirty goal scorer who was playing some third line minutes, and they lost the seven in the first round. Yeah. Oh my god! That's but that's hockey, dude. Hockey will break your heart. Yeah. Um. So let's uh let's talk a, a little trade market, huh? So obviously, the Bruins are gonna they have they have fifteen players signed right now. They have four point five million dollars in cap space, and they got plenty of guys to sign. So there's some big contracts on this team that still have some value. But what? Who? Who do you think is likely to be moved from the Bruins? From the Bruins. Um. Give me your. Uh, give me your. Give me your top three. I think. I still think that Taylor Hall is going to get moved. Okay. And I think it's just. 
a, a cap casualty, say what you want, but if they have him and if they re-sign Bertuzzi and how some of this stuff shakes out, one of those guys is probably going to be playing some third-line minutes, and I don't want a third-liner to be making that much money. I also think I've been seeing a lot of people talk about it on Twitter, and I think the more I see people talk about it, the more I could kind of see it happening. Is I think I could see Trent Frederick traded. He's an RFA, and the Bruins can't – and if, if he gets an offer sheet that the Bruins can't match, I would not be surprised if they had to – unfortunately ship him out of here and at least get something for him it's better than losing him for nothing and yeah. then barring the obvious ones i'm not going to mention riley but i think that this team has to move one if not two defensemen and the most obvious one playing wise is Derek forbert but for the sake of being different i'm going to say i think i could see matt grizzlick getting traded because you can, yeah. you can get something for matt grizzlick whereas i think most people would see Derek forbert as simply a salary dump yeah yeah, I think and people are talking about buying out Derek Forbert, and I don't think he's at that point. You know, he doesn't have a terrible contract. He's not a terrible player. He just had a bad playoff. I think you can ship him off for a late, late round pick, maybe like a sixth or a seventh, but that's still better than nothing. You're still clearing that money off the books without having to buy him out. I think I don't know if it's as set in stone any more than it used to be with Mike Riley. I don't know if Mike Riley is definitely getting bought out because he, we've said it all year. He's an NHL caliber defenseman. He just didn't have a spot on this team, but also on the other hand, nobody wants him. So yeah. I, don't, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the plan is with Riley. I can see both. I can see him staying with the team at a fairly friendly contract, or I can see him being bought out. I think, I think that one's up in the air. Part of me feels like there are plenty of teams who definitely plenty of teams who could use Mike Riley's services, but a lot of teams who would want him to. And I feel like all season, it's almost been like a game of cat and mouse where the Bruins are like, yeah, well here, give us a late pick for Riley. And the other team's like, no, we'll just wait for you to buy him out or wave him." And the Bruins are like, you know what? Just because you said that we're going to bury him in Providence and you're not going to see him. And yeah. now like because of that all year, he spent disgruntled in Providence, rightfully so he should be getting NHL minutes. And because of that, he's still in this team. But that's interesting too, that you say that, that, he, do you think that he could have a part on this team moving forward if he isn't traded? I think there's a possibility. I mean, the the Bruins, if they ship off Grizzlick, I would say there's definitely a chance. I don't know if I'd be comfortable with it. I wouldn't be scared or terrified, but I mean, I'm pretty sure he's making 1.5 right now. I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure he's making 1.5. He trooped it out down in Providence this year. I mean, mm-hmm. poor guy. It it could work out in the way that he has a spot on the team next year, and I don't necessarily hate that. I wouldn't say it's ideal, but if there's no other way to get rid of him and you don't want to buy him out, then screw it. It's fucking Mike Riley season. <laughs> I, I remember at the beginning of this season at the very beginning of the season when he was getting some minutes, I remember multiple occasions he had me tweeting in all caps because he was making a great play. It was a great pinch in or he had to pass or a great shot. And I will admit most of those times he tried to do it and failed and gave up a two on one or break away the other end, which is also part of the Mike Riley experience. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing what he can do as well. Um, don't forget too the Bruins will also, we'll probably see Mason Laura next year, which will be very exciting. I but, think we will. 
Um, who do you think then? Who is your who is your three candidates to get traded? My top three: Allmark, Grizzlick, and I hate 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 to say it. Don't I don't I know who you don't say it. Mel, I might say it. Don't say it. Mel, I might say it. And me saying this doesn't mean that I want him gone. But don't say it. He has a great pure hockey commercial. Jake Dabrowski. Oh, that's not who I thought you were going to say at all. Who did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Brad Marchand. No, 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 no. Not if Bergeron comes back. You've been the conductor on the on the Jake Dabrowski was right train. Right. What changed? No, Why would you nothing. want him moved? No, I don't want him moved. I don't want him moved. I, that's not what I'm saying. I do not want Jake DeBrusque moved. But but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but he's on a very friendly contract. He's a hell of a player. And if you can package him with somebody like Allmark, I mean, who knows what that could bring you? Exactly. I don't. I I just I I want to reiterate I do not want Jake DeBrusque to go anywhere. I remember people last year were saying trade Jake DeBrusque, get rid of him. He's a bum. He stinks. Cassidy was fired because of Jake DeBrusque. No 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 no. He just needed an actual role, a consistent role, and stability in the lineup to allow him to produce. And he finally got that, and he had a career season. I do not want to get rid of him. What I'm saying is that if you're the Bruins front office and if you're looking at this team as a whole and the options that you have, Jake DeBrusque might be one of those assets that can bring you a bigger return than some other guys. You know, I think the part that would frustrate me the most about seeing Jake DeBrusque get traded to another team is that he had, what, 27 goals in his second season with the Bruins, and he's had yeah. some middling years since then. And then this was the year that it finally all came together. He just couldn't stay healthy at times. But when he was on the ice, he was performing. This is the Jake DeBrus that you took in that haunted draft. And to have him finally deliver and then trade him the, the following offseason would, would hurt. It would suck because a lot of us, yourself included, have been putting out for so long defending this guy that this is the guy he can be. He's finally that guy. And then to see him in another jersey would suck. But it does make sense because he does have a lot of value. And like you said, that team-friendly contract is very important. But no matter what, it doesn't matter how you cut it up. This team is going to look very different next year, for better or for worse. Yes, dude. I'm I'm not advocating for it at all. I'm saying from a non-biased standpoint, I think he's one of the assets that the Bruins would be doing a disservice to the organization if they don't at least pick up the phone and make some calls. And he can bring you some value. That's all I'm saying. Do I want DeBrusque gone? Absolutely the hell not. I <laughs> love Jake DeBrusque. He's Honestly, he's probably, I don't want to say my number one favorite guy on the team, but he's definitely top three. He's definitely top three. I love Jake DeBrusque. Emergency top three, go right now. Who are your top um, three favorite Bruins? Just right off my head. Right off the rip. Right off the rip. Uh, I got, I got obviously DeBrusque. I love McAvoy. And can, can I not say like the obvious guys like Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasta? Yeah, yeah. Leave them out for this sake. Zaka. I, I was going to say Zaka and mine is a joke, but not really a joke because I love Bubble Zaka. That's yes. a good one. Mine would be uh, Tomas Nosek, uh, Connor AJ, Clifton, of AJ course. <laughs> yeah. And uh, honestly, like half joke, half serious, I love Jacob Lauko. 
Oh, dude. Oh, that's a good pick, too. I yeah. love Lauko. Okay, wait. Well, since we're here right now, what what do you see Lauko's role in the team next year? Because I have a pretty good idea in my head. I would love to see him get some regular fourth-line minutes. I don't okay. know. I think, I think if the Bruins do lose Trent Frederick and if they don't bring back um, Garnet Hathaway, I think it's realistic that he can see some third-line minutes. Um, but I just yeah. want him to be a consistent player. I want him to be in the lineup, you know, 70% of the games instead of w- what he was doing last year because he can make shit happen. And I've, and I always talk about the guys who can do this, but I love guys who, even when they're not scoring, they're still producing in other ways. And he's not like a shutdown forward, like Bergeron is, and he's not going to do all these other stuff that some A-list players will be, but he's going to draw penalties. He's going to piss people off. And the dude is an electric factory. He's like a bolt of lightning. Every time he touches the ice, you know, he's going to go balls to the wall and players like that. I want in my lineup. So I just want to see consistent minutes from him next year, whether it's third line or fourth line. I wouldn't even, I like, I'm dead serious. Would not mind seeing him play some third line minutes. You get him on the third line. He's on the ice more. We saw, like you mentioned, how many penalties he draws a game. It's insane. (laughs) Um, And he's like you said, he's a gamer. He just doesn't stop. Like no matter what, he does not stop. And I think you like he needs to be in your lineup next year. I don't care. Like he needs to be there Until until he gives you a reason why he shouldn't be. He's proved enough this past season that he should be in the lineup. He's that guy. He could be a guy too that all you need to do is give him a chance. Like we saw what yes. happened to Trent Frederick this year when he got a chance. He was, you know, a, a couple nosebleeds away from a, being a 20 goal scorer. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that, that Lauko is going to be a 20 goal scorer if he gets third line minutes next year, but like who knows? I mean, he's not going to develop and he's not going to perform if he's not on the ice. So throw him out there and see what he can do. You might as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, imagine a, a third line of, Coil, Lauco, and if you can re-sign Freddie, Freddie, that would be fine. That's and a then line. if you roll them out, and then your fourth line is the kid line. Ooh, yes, that would be so exciting. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, that would be. Oh my god, that would. Be I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like the locker room dynamic though. Of like on one end, if if everybody comes back, you have like the old heads like Bergeron and Marshawn, and they're like talk about the glory days like i don't listen to like bruce springsteen or something on the other side you got like jacob lauko and like mark merkulov and like john beecher whoever it is and they're i don't know dancing at edm or some shit whatever you <laughs> nowadays it would just it would be a funny dynamic those episodes of behind the b when it shows the locker room scenes i would love to see what would be going on between all those personalities they're they're just listening to like steve aoki and and, <laughs> yeah. and like and like k-pop fans <laughs> yeah. k-pop oh my god wait put on that sugar yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I mean, the trade market is definitely going to heat up a little bit. Um, there's going to be some unpopular moves. And and people who are upset about losing the goalie hug, come on. Come Get on. over it. I would, rather, I would rather have a cap-compliant team <laughs> with a Stanley Cup at the end than watching my goalies hug. And you yeah. know what? We've, we've said it before. This season that the Bruins just had is going to be the 10-minute intro to the 2023-2024 Stanley Cup champion DVD 
that you're going to get when the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. You can't have this upcoming season without the failure of last season. And that's going to involve the departure of some players and the welcoming in of some new players. And so I've said it before and I'll say it again. Last season will be the uh, the prequel, the introductory scenes setting up next year's Stanley Cup parade. Yes. Um it's gonna be a fun season, dude. I I really I really really hope that they integrate the youth into the lineup like on a consistent basis. I want to see, you know, guys like John Beecher. I want to see guys like Lauko. I want to see guys like Merkulov. Maybe Lysel. He from the you know guys in the know. It seems like they're pretty much uh, all on the same page of he needs one more year in Providence to really solidify his game, which is fair, which mm-hmm. is more than fair. It's it's you, you can't be expecting these guys to make the jump into the NHL a year or maybe two after they get drafted. Some yeah. guys need to be built up and their and their game needs to be rounded out. It's okay. They're still young. Yeah, and you know, if if there's anybody that I trust integrating youth into this lineup, it is it's definitely Jim Montgomery. I mean, yeah. the way that he was able to integrate integrate some of that youth into the lineup this year with the insane depth that the Bruins had was a miracle in its own. I mean, next year he's going to actually have some open spots in this team that players are going to be fighting for. I mean, depending on who goes and who comes in, and I'm excited. I know it's gonna it's weird, you know, because this is all following what happened in the playoffs just last year. But I mean, it's going to be, it could be a a very different looking team next year. If we have some key retirements and some players going out and we're going to see how some of these young guys are going to step up. And I think that they have the right coach to do it. Yeah, I do too. I look, be excited for this team just because this past season ended in a goddamn like Hindenburg-style no crash. Yeah, in the, in the words of Jack Edwards. I mean, it's 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 going to be an exciting team to watch still. I mean, that's why we all love hockey. It's yeah. because every single year, you know, any team has a chance to fight for a playoff spot. And then as we all saw this year, any team in that 16, you know, team tournament can win. Mm-hmm. We, we were, we were hammering down that the Stanley Cup champions were 100% coming out of the East. We were, we said that at least a hundred times on the show. Oh yeah. That the, that the Stanley Cup champs are coming out of the East. And what do you know? Former Boston coach Bruce Cassidy and his Western Vegas Golden Knights come in and fucking steamroll the Florida Panthers. And every team that we talked about coming out of the East, I don't think – a single one that we mentioned was the Florida Panthers. I think that we were like saying that, you know, Toronto is good on paper, but it's Toronto. I mean, we were talking about obviously the Bruins, the Carolina hurricanes, but they got injured. The Rangers Rangers making big trades, the New Jersey devils. I mean, they were the hottest team in the NHL at one point. And I don't think, I know speaking about you and I, I mean, we, we were talking about teams that we, that were, fighting for that last wild card spot and we were saying that we don't think that florida was going to get in and if it wasn't for pittsburgh crapping their pants or chicago whatever the hell they couldn't beat chicago and columbus or i don't so long ago now i don't remember who it was but it wasn't for that i mean you don't have the rampage that the florida panthers just did to the bruins to the maple leafs and to the hurricanes right but it's definitely weird and we've said it before all you got to do is get into the playoffs and this bruins team next year the way that is constructed they should be able to get into the playoffs and that's all they need. 
it's it's still a playoff team. You, we've mentioned this before. If you lose, our, let's just say you lose all Mark in this offseason, right? You still have Bergeron, Marshawn, DeBrusque. Say Zaka, Hall, Pasta. Third line of Coyle, Lauco, Freddie. Fourth line, Beecher, AJ Greer, Mark McLaughlin. Maybe Merkulov. I don't know. You can mix those guys in. That's a solid lineup. And then you go to the defense. Say you trade Grizzly and you keep Mike Riley. You got McAvoy and, say, Lori. Then you got Carlo and you got Lindholm. And then you still have, say, they find a way to sign freaking Clifton. Then you have Clifton on the they right. better. Clifton on the right and, and, and either Mike Riley or Jacob Zaboro on the left. And then you got Swayman and then either Bussy or fill in a veteran backup. That's a playoff team. You don't need to have a 65-win season every year. You don't need to win the President's Cup trophy every year. All you need to do is qualify for a spot, preferably get home ice advantage in the playoffs for the majority of the season or um, the majority of the series that you are in and go. That's all you need. Qualify. That's it. That's it. And even the the Florida Panthers are literally the perfect case study. They were not in the playoffs until two days before it started. They weren't home in a single series that they played. They right. beat the greatest regular season team in the history of the NHL. They were down 3-1. They came back and won game seven on the road. They then went into Toronto and beat them in five also did not have home ice advantage. They played the Carolina Hurricanes, and did they sweep them, or did they win in five? I believe they swept them. I believe they swept them, and then they made it all the way where they eventually fell in the Stanley Cup Finals. That's a team that had literally everything, everything in hockey that could possibly be stacked against them was stacked against them, and they just kept bursting through the door. And that's the perfect case study for this Bruins team. All you got to do is get in. Yeah, President's Trophy is nice. Yes, home ice advantage is nice. Yes, the one seat is nice. But you don't need that to win the Stanley Cup. The LA Kings didn't need it in 2012 when they went 16-4 and on their way to winning the Stanley Cup, playing their division winner, the President's Trophy winner. I mean, there's a lot of things that would be nice, but only a couple teams get those things. This year, the Bruins had all three. President's Trophy, one seed, home ice advantage, and they lost in the first round. So all you got to do is get in. And like you just said, the Bruins are still going to have a lot of big pieces next year. So getting in shouldn't be a problem. So we shall see. But there's still definitely a reason to be excited for this team next year. Yeah. Um, so before we get into the DMs, I do want to remind everybody, obviously hockey season's over. Basketball season is over. Football hasn't started yet. The only thing that's going on right now is baseball and golf, I guess. Um, <laughs> you, you can, uh, if, you, if you're a gambling person out there, if you like, you know, Throwing out some bets every now and then. Make sure you go to fanduel.com slash Boston. Get your bonuses, get your rewards, um, and hopefully you guys can make some money. I have since stopped betting because I am goddamn terrible at it, but hey, <laughs> that's okay. Maybe some of you out there are much better than me, and if you are, please send me your picks because I would like to make some more money. But um, let's jump into some DM questions here. We got let's see we got this one coming in from Bruins offseason mode 
Um, I'm pretty sure this is the um, he changed his handle, but it was the back to black blue season. Mm. Uh, oh, right. Yes, you can follow him on Twitter at Incredible Mr. E7. Shout out to you. Thanks for always supporting us and sending us questions. It doesn't go unnoticed. Um, he said hypothetical draft day moves. Riley, Grizz, slash Carlo, Ollie, etc. Do you can you see the Bruins making a move from out of one of those guys to jump up in the draft? Or do you think they're making those moves to help solidify this team as a contender right now and add pieces to this team right now? Oh, it is, know, a deep, it, it is a deep draft. It's a deep draft center wise. If 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 the Bruins were to move one of those guys, how high do you think they could move up in the draft? <sighs> Probably not extremely high, to be honest with you. Maybe yeah, top fi- maybe like uh, 12 to 20. I mean, do you think that that's worth moving Linus Omark or one of those guys for? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't Although, know. I mean, I, I do. I, I do. Sorry, but I do see where he's coming from because if 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 there's a possibility to jump up and say the top five, think about it. Maybe do it. But I think the Bruins are looking more for solutions that can help the lineup right now because they have a team, as we just discussed. They already have a team that's capable of making playoffs. So if you're going to trade those guys, you probably want to get pieces to help the present, not the future. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I know, like, we've kind of half-jokingly said it, too, in the past, but, like, um, Don Sweeney with first-round first picks, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think you can answer both of those questions without having to get a draft pick. I think that you can acquire. There are plenty of young centers out there who are either disgruntled. I know you were mentioning some names earlier, some guys, or some teams who desperately need a, a, one, a, a starting goalie who might have a plethora of young centers that they could move. I mean, I know that that's few and far between, but I, th- I would feel more confident if the Bruins reached out to a team like Seattle who needs a goalie or a team like the Kings who have some young players they can move and, and dangle Linus Olmark or Swayman or something like that in a trade. I would do that first before I would worry about trading up in the draft because then you would get a center who can join your team immediately and contribute and you can watch them grow. And you also have a young guy who's making relatively nothing compared to what they could be down the road, which helps in re-signing some of these guys. And he's also young and he fits into this youth core that the Bruins are now starting to develop on this team. So I think that that's a more realistic avenue and that's the way that I would take rather than trading one of these guys to move up in the draft. Yeah, that's that's basically the same uh, thought process as me. So this next one comes in from Pasta for Heart, Buzzy Fruit Cup, Smiley Face. <laughs> you can follow you can follow her on Twitter at BuzzTinBruins. That's a sick fucking handle. Um she says, or he, will they split up Swaymark? I say yes. I again, I don't want them to, but I think it's it's one of those things that just makes too much sense. You yep. there's some cap to re-sign some guys. You still have who you think is an elite goalie in Jeremy Swayman or can become a consistent elite goalie in Jeremy Swayman. And most importantly, you clear $5 million of cap space that you can resign Tyler Bertuzzi or do whatever you want with. So call it a cap casualty, call it whatever you want, but you can also get a lot back from Omar. So unfortunately, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think they're going to get split up and that might not be a terrible thing. 
goalie hugs, they will be missed, but it's not the end all be all. So now if you're splitting them up, is there a team that you would absolutely not trade Linus Olmark to? Uh, let's not send Olmark to Toronto. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> honestly, honestly, anywhere in the division, try to stay away from the division. Maybe yeah. even the Metro. If you if you can, if if push comes to shove, and the only real, you know, trade that you can get that has the most value comes out of the Metro, then you can pull that trigger and hope it doesn't cause you problems in the future. But um, ideally, he could be sent out west. I would really, 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 really rather not send him in the division because <laughs> this division is disgusting. Why are you going to help them out? Buffalo yeah. is Buffalo is good. Ottawa is decent. Toronto obviously is good. Florida obviously is good. Tampa Bay obviously is good. I feel like I'm missing a team. Montreal stinks, so whatever. <laughs> Ottawa uh, could use a goalie. Ottawa could, but but then again, I don't think you want to send them there because Florida. I don't know what's going on with Spencer Knight. Maybe they could use another goalie. I don't think Alex Lyon's going to do or Bobrovsky's going to. I mean, he's like 36 now, isn't he? Yeah, he's old. Yeah, I mean, either way, I would I would love to see him out west. My dream team for him is uh, the Seattle Kraken. I think I've said that before because I think it's a great situation for him. And it's just a great situation for the Kraken if they could add Linus Olmark to their mix. But I don't know. I think like you said, like I think you you want to maximize what you're getting back. But I think there's also trade value in not sending him to a certain team. Like you said, Toronto, no way. Carolina, I wouldn't want to see him in Carolina. I mean, no. there, there are a handful of teams. My first choice is out west. But at the end yeah. of the day, I think you got to take whatever you can for him. Yeah, send him to L.A., send him to Columbus, one of those two. But um, this next question comes in from Jack Kane. You can follow him on Twitter at jkane095. And I really like this question, so I'll, I'll have you answer it first. He says, aside from finding successors for Bergeron and Crucci, what are the biggest needs for the Bruins roster for the next three years? Before you answer, I think the successor for Krejci is already here. In Zaka? It's Saka. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um. Oh man, that is a good question. I think that you definitely have to find your centers moving forward, and not just centers, but I guess you can say your top six moving forward, because we've talked about the the possibility of moving Brad Marchand. Even if they don't, Brad Marchand is what is he thirty five, thirty six now? So. Two years from now, you could relatively say that either he's not going to be in the Bruins anymore or he's going to be declining or declined. Uh, you might be without your top line center and Patrice Bergeron. You're probably going to be without your second line center. Um, and there's going to be a lot of holes in your top six, which has been the life, the the heartbeat of this team's offense for the last decade is how consistent their top six have been specifically those two center positions so that would be the biggest need for me not just addressing who that's going to be moving forward but also making sure it's a player that fits in the team scheme that can be a leader in the locker room because you're losing a couple leaders in those three guys i just mentioned and maybe the most important thing is that they're young because this bruins core is going to be pretty young moving forward i mean charlie mcavoy is 26 posternock's 26 um a majority of these guys are on our side of 30 i mean 
Um, it's, if Swayman's your goalie, you're, you're starting goalies 24, 25. And I also think it's important to not just go out and sign the first guy, you know, a 35-year-old Ryan O'Reilly at that point, whoever it's going to be. I think it's important, too, that you also build this culture of your team moving forward. So I would look at uh, addressing the centers moving forward, although that might not be a question for right now, depending on if Bergeron and Krejci come back. Yeah, um, I'm not entirely uh... – in disagreement with that i think let me see here so outside of finding bergeron and Krejci's successors i think the like you just said you got lindholm you got mcavoy you got carlo you got maybe still Grizzlick, you got lori coming up in the system what about our bottom six i mean you you have guys coming up in the system guys like beecher guys like merkulov I guess you could count AJ Greer as being a part of that system. Lauko. I think you need to solidify the bottom six because you already have established guys. You have pasta for the next eight years. He's not going anywhere. He's here for the next eight seasons. Thank God. Um, you got maybe potentially still Jake DeBrusque. You've got Pavel Zaka. I think the bottom six is going to need some work in the future. Because those bottom six role players, they, they play a massive role. We've seen that, say, with the Florida Panthers this year. They were and, – and the Knights, too. They have four deep lines. You can't have two top-heavy lines and then two kind of like scrubbish lines beneath them. You need to have at least three solid lines and a decent fourth, if not four solid lines. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be brutally honest. When you were – asking the question i was reading linus Olmark's stats and i was just thinking about the bruins when you answered it and i didn't realize the question was <laughs> aside from finding successors for birds running what are the biggest needs for the bruins roster for the next three years and then i immediately said that the biggest need was finding successors for birds running crazy so that's so that's my bad but um I can say another one. Maybe I, I like the bottom six. I think that's a good one. I think yeah. also if, if you can find out your your uh, defensive core too, because I think right now the Bruins have seven defensemen, eight defensemen if you want to include Zaboral, nine defensemen if you want to include O'Reilly. And I think trimming the fat on the defensive end is a little important at this point, especially when you're talking about shedding some cap. And obviously they have McAvoy. Obviously they have Hampus Lindholm. Those are your two pillars. But here we are talking about moving Matt Grizzlick. Here we are talking about moving Derek Forbert. They have Lorai. What's he going to be? So I think it's important that the Bruins can maybe get another um, top four defenseman who they know is going to be part of this team moving forward. Because um, I think that's going to be really big too and bring helping to bring Mason Lorai along. So I think maybe firming up that top four. Your, your third pairing can fluctuate. That's okay. I mean, Clifton and Forbert were great this year as a third-line pairing. I think we both know these guys aren't going to be on the Bruins much longer going forward. So I think bottom six is important, aside from Bergeron and Krejci. And I think trimming the fat on your defensive core and, and building this consistent top four pairings that you can have moving forward, I think is important as well. Would you be interested in Noah Hannafin? I would. Because How much money is he making, though? Um, Noah Hannafin right now is making, um, one second. I'm not sure. I have to look it up, but you know, Don Sweeney was, he was trying to get him in 2015. That mm -hmm. was like his, his main target. 
Yeah, no, I like Noah Hannafin a lot. He's a young guy. He's 26. And also, importantly enough, too, he's from Boston. And we know how much Don Sweeney likes his Boston guys. But he's a big body. He's physical. Uh, he's also a bit of an iron horse. I mean, he's played yep. 81, 79 games, 81, 79, 80, 70, 47. That was a shortened season. 81, 81. I mean, knowing that you're going to have this guy in your lineup consistently, I think would be huge. And on top of that, he's a lefty, which the Bruins could use moving forward as well. I would love Noah Hansen. Yes, yes. And he's signed through the 2023-2020. Oh my goodness. He's signed through the 2023-2024 season at 4.95. Oh, I like yeah. that a lot. And how much okay. is Grizzlick making? Grizzlick. I think Grizzlick's at like around four, isn't he? Or did I just make that up? I'll tell you in a second. Matt Grizzlick is making three. Yeah, he's making. Yeah, dude. Oh my god, I would do that in a heartbeat. Now let me ask you this. Oh, here we go. Would you trade DeBrusque for Hannafin if he's part of that package? No. <laughs> See, but it's hard. Uh, it's hard though. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was hard. I think it came down to me. For me, is that um, if the Bruins don't have Jake DeBrusque, man, they already are going to have some holes on this team moving forward on, on the wings, and they could have some holes in center. And the one thing that they have right now is a whole buffet of defensemen. But I think if the Bruins were loaded at wing and center, yeah, I would do that. But I just think they can't afford to lose DeBrusque. But what if that trade, say it's Olmark and JD for Hannafin, that frees up money to sign Bertuzzi? Then you have then you, <laughs> <laughs> then you have Bertuzzi and Hannafin in your top four D, McAvoy, Hannafin, Carlo Lindholm, and then you figure out that bottom pair, and then you can go Bergeron, Marshawn. And I guess you can maybe put Pasta back up on that wing. Or no, because you probably want Bertuzzi and Pasta to be together. So you could go Marshawn. Ah, no, because Zaka doesn't play the right. You I know don't what? Know. There's, there's some things to tinker with. I think if if um, Don Sweeney is able to sign Hannafin to an extension like he did Hampus Lindholm, I think I would do that. Okay, that's fair. But I think knowing that you would only have Hannafin for a guaranteed one more season and you're giving up Olmark and Jake DeBrusque. I don't know. Cause that's a lot to give up in one trade. If I was thinking straight up for Omar for straight up Jake DeBrusque for Noah Hannafin, I would, I would normally do that. But thinking about the hole that that could create, I don't know. I don't okay, know. Yeah. I'm talking myself in circles. Um, Oh man. Hang on. Okay. So how about Olmark and JD? Elias Lindholm. Yes. And Hannafin. Yes. Yep. Okay. Honda Pilot seats eight. I can take DeBrusque and Omar <laughs> family with me. I've got, I've got my passport. I'll drive us right up to Calgary. <laughs> and, you can, and you can bring them back with you. I would I would love that trade. I think you would get a, a – how many years does Elias have left on his contract? Do you know that? That I'm not sure of. Either way, if you're able to sign both of those guys, I mean, you just solved – your long-term first-line center problem, and now you have Noah Hannafin. If you can sign him too, you got your top four D. With if Mason Lorai pans out, holy shit, 
Yeah, I would. That, that would be a great trade for the Bruins. And it's not like, obviously, it would suck losing Omar, but we just spent the first 45 minutes on this show telling you why Jeremy Swayman's a freaking balls. Oh, God, what is it? Elias Lindholm is making 4.8 through 2023-2024. I mean, what are we doing? Make it all, buddy. <laughs> I mean, this might – okay, to be fair, this might be one of those situations where we just kind of threw those names out and – in all reality, it makes like Calgary would say no in a heartbeat. But, but there's there's a there's a but there there's a but there. I think the important thing is that we are talking about Calgary, and we all just saw the trade that they made last year and what Makachuk did in the playoffs. So I think if anybody is going to make a trade like this, a big swing trade, it might be the Calgary Flames. Have you heard the rumor? By the way, not to switch up conversations, but there's a rumor that Florida and Ottawa are in trade discussions to swap Barkov and Brady Kachuk. So then you would have Matt Kachuk and Brady Kachuk down in Florida and Barkov up in Ottawa. Nobody would be happier than Keith because he saved a lot of money on playing tickets. Yeah. (laughs) Could you you imagine the two of them playing on the same line or the same power play? Just being in the same locker room. Oh, my God. Dude, it would be – I want to – Barkov is a big part of that Florida Panthers team, though. That's a lot to give up. Yeah, he is. But then you have the the Kachuk brothers. Yeah, just the the chance of having the Kachuk brothers playing together – I mean, we all saw what Makachuk did this year. Imagine if they could, if if Makachuk could help unlock the next level of Brady Kachuk. Right. Oh my God, they would run that state. The state of yes. Florida would belong to the Kachuks. Yes, yes, yes. And that's a scary <laughs> thought too, because they're in the Atlantic. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the thing, though. The Atlantic Division is the best division in hockey. You got oh, Boston. Yeah. You got Florida. You got Tampa. You have. I mean. Y- I'm I'm confident in saying Buffalo is going to be a playoff team next year. Yeah. Um, Especially if they have a full season with Levi as their goalie, I think yeah. that they're going to be good. And, and, and a full season of NHL hockey under Owen Powers' belt. You got mm-hmm. Alex Tuck, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Kyle Ocposo found his gear again. You got Zemgis Gergensens, the GOAT. Zemgis Gergensens. <laughs> but, but, but. I think they're a legit threat. And then also you got Ottawa, who is not very far off from being a playoff team. They're definitely a bubble team. Montreal stinks. I'm not forgetting anybody, right? I don't think so. Yeah. So the Atlantic Division is a fucking goddamn... It's a wagon. It's a wagon. It's a wagon. Um, But yeah, so that that was our DM questions. So now we're going to get into our final segment of the night. The long-awaited crying Wyan segment. <laughs> so this kid, this dude, this kid on Twitter who doesn't even have the balls to put his real picture as his Twitter Avi had the the f- fucking what's it called the 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 whatever i don't care he pissed me off ever since the brewers lost he's been tweeting the most negative shit he's been calling the entire team soft babies pussies whatever you want to say he's been he's been naming people by name he's been doing all this shit so last week i put out a tweet i said 
He's I actually he said something about Jake DeBrusque and he deleted the tweet since. So I can't read it back to you, but I quoted it and I said, I think I speak for all of Bruins Twitter in saying, please, for the love of God, shut up. Because he's been doing this for weeks. He had been doing this for weeks, and I I got sick of seeing it on my timeline. I got sick of seeing it on Twitter. It was just every time I refreshed, it was something new that was negative, and it was pissing me off. So I finally quoted it, and I said that. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I can't be the only one on Twitter that feels this way. So I quoted it, and I said that. And then this kid says, he quotes my tweet. And he said, I think I speak for all of Bruins Twitter in saying Jake to pussy got Bruce Cassidy fired because he got his feelings hurt and he should be on the receiving end of plenty of criticism after Cassidy just won Vegas a cup and Mark Stone himself said that Bruce put them over the top. Dude, shut up. Like, I can't take it anymore. And thank God he blocked me because Twitter has been a much better place since I no longer see his tweets pop up on my timeline. This kid needs to delete his Twitter. He's the worst person on Bruins Twitter. And I think that's like, if I put that up to a poll, to be honest with you, I don't even know any, any other people I would put on that poll. He's the worst. He would win by like 99% of the votes. <laughs> I'm and, surprised. And, and the other option I would put on the poll is me. And I know you would vote me. So And then I would sign into the Something's Brewing account and vote you as well. <laughs> and that would be the only votes. Like this kid sucks. He's so annoying. I'm so glad he blocked me. Shout out to everybody else he's blocked. There was, there was a whole thread of, of people too. Um, saying like that he blocked them too like he's just he's he's this whiny little bitch and all he does is bring negativity on the timeline and it's like buddy fucking realize that 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 not every season is gonna end the way you want it to stop stop whining stop fucking whining he sounds like a like a felger burner account i think it's felger's burner i really i do (laughs) i really do yeah, I don't know. I, I'm honestly surprised it took me this long for one of his tweets to come up on my uh, – because I had never heard of the kid. But I've seen you and I've seen a couple – Like I think I saw a thread, I think under one of your tweets, of people showing how uh, he had blocked them. And I was like, who is this? And then I saw a couple of his tweets. I just saw one he called uh, <laughs> Linus Olmark. I think he was referring to Olmark as Skidmark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, I mean, it, it made me laugh. But like, that's, you know, kind of – I don't – necessarily agree with it but i don't know i think that uh you've really seen since i think that there was two two different fans two different perspectives of the bruins fan following this past season i think that the majority of people recognize the season for what it was it was a historic season that most definitely ended the way that we didn't want it to i think that there is a lot that bruins fans can take from it but more importantly what the bruins organization can take from it but i think that it is like the most absolute surface level takes to say that if bruce cassie was here the bruins win uh, if if you know if Jake DeBrusque in the Bruins locker room didn't cry like little babies and get Bruce Cassidy fired, this team is different. Like that is literally doing absolutely no research, or literally just like that is literally turning on sports radio, listening to what they're saying. Oh, oh yeah, I'm gonna tweet that. That's a good idea. Like that is it's 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 not what happened. And like the the like Ty Anderson or like uh, that Connor Ryan guy or like any of these Bruins insiders who are in the locker room every day sharing the perspective of what of what these players are feeling and what they're saying will tell you that that's not what happened. And 
if you listen to anybody else other than that collective like black hole of Bruins Twitter who just scream at clouds and they get so upset when literally the the smallest thing happens to their favorite sports team, that's that's not what happened. And it's it's like outrageous. I've seen a, a bunch of people on Twitter like tweet stuff like that. And it's it's like if you use the smallest amount of your brain to actually think about the events that transpired this year and that it's so much more than just the Bruins had a different coach and Cassidy went to the Vegas Golden Knights. That's why the Bruins lost in the Vegas one. It's it's just like lazy analysis. I don't even know how to explain it. it. I've seen it so much on Twitter and it's infuriating. And it didn't get to me the way that you did because I know that this kid has been tweeting at you quite often. All but the time. I, all the I, time, dude. I see it too. And that's why like, I turn on like sports radio every now and then. And um, like as soon as I hear the word Bruins go out of their mouth, oh, I'm putting on like Kiss 108 or something because like I, I can't I can't listen to it. I literally can't. And shout out Melinda at Melinda Paints on Twitter because sometimes I do let that talk get to me and I'll like quote tweet a clip from the Sports Hub or like somebody's like shitty analysis of the season. I'll quote tweet it. And she's like, she's always catches me. And she's like, Oh, you're letting it get to you. That's exactly what they want. And it's like, Oh, like I feel like a lot of it's for attention. And it's, it's such the, the, the sports culture of Boston. And it's not just this crying wine kid. Like there are so many Twitter <laughs> like that. Like there's that Anthony from the Cape guy. Oh, he's the a, worst. A and their whole Twitter, like it's their niche. They're just negative. And they just do this because it gets a reaction. And like, if that's how you want to tweet and that's how you want to be like, go for it. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but like, don't be surprised when everybody's telling you that you're an idiot. And when you get a segment on a podcast named after you, because it's <laughs> <are> so stupid. <laughs> Dude, like, the, first of all, that Anthony on the Cape guy is the worst. I don't even want to give him a late day, but we just got a, we got a late, uh, we got a late addition to the crying wine segment from off-season Andrew you can you know um Andrew from the short shift pod you can follow him at Andrew short shift he just sent this over to us and our friend Jared at JJ hockey underscore 15 earlier in the day he tweeted out if you get Pierre-Luc Dubois you can kiss away the culture that Zidane Chara and Patrice Bergeron built for this franchise goodbye PLD is a big baby and then this Bruins Wyan kid underneath replied and he goes, so is DeBrus, but we still keep him around. Buddy, shut your mouth. Jake DeBrus took away his trade request. All right. I, I, I weirdly see what you're saying in a weird way, but it would have been different if, if this had all gone down and Jake DeBrus didn't perform this year. Maybe, maybe Jake DeBrus was onto something. Maybe. Bruce Cassidy's message was getting stale in the locker room. Maybe the team needed a change in voice in the locker room and fucking it, it happened. And, and we just had a 65 win season. Shut your mouth. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm like, I just went through and saw a couple of his tweets and I'm starting to think he might just be a troll. Cause there's some of this stuff. There's just no way like you could oh. like, I, I like I, I respect Bruins fans and like, I truly believe that like we have, we're part of the group of one of, if not the most educated fan bases 
of hockey in the NHL. Like we're very fortunate. Yeah. We have a strong hockey culture around here. They're great hockey culture in like Toronto and Montreal. Like I know everybody likes to rip those franchises, but the reason that it's so easy is because they know their shit and they get riled up. And like for Bruins fans, like a lot of Bruins fans that you interact with on Twitter or that like you might listen to their podcast or you might read their articles, they really do know their stuff. And that's why these people like crying Wyan or some of these other examples that we mentioned before <laughs> stick out like a sore thumb because like, how could you call yourself a Bruins fan? And I'm not saying that you have to like be like rainbows and happy go lucky. Not at all. That's not what we're saying, but like, it's like, it's just factually incorrect. Some of the stuff that you have that you're saying. And after like everything that the season that Jake DeBrusque just had and recognizing how important he is to this team, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well which i think he's forgetting like it, it kind of shows how uneducated of a take that is to start calling him the pussy and saying that he has no place in this yeah. team that he should be traded and that he's the reason that everything fell apart like that it, it's it's just it's factually incorrect it's just not right and if you want to blame brusque for you know getting bruce cassidy fired well then you can blame bergeron for contemplating retirement you can blame Krejci for actually retiring and then coming back when he got fired and I promise you there were more than just those three guys who got Bruce Cassidy fired and I hate even saying that Bruce Cassidy got they got him fired because Bruce Cassidy got himself fired and that's what happens if coaches didn't get fired then the Bruins would have like a 140 year old skeleton from the 1920s coaching their (laughs) team right now like voices get stale coaches get fired it happens get over it like I think the most Bruins Fans are happy for Bruce Cassidy. He's a great guy. He was a great coach. He helped change the culture of Bruins hockey when they had some of those meddling years there in the 20 teens after 2013 when they lost the cup. The Bruins don't have the season that they just had. It wasn't for what Bruce Cassidy did to this core and to some of these players and to the culture of the Bruins. And it's okay to recognize that and be sad that he's gone, but happy that he won at the same time. Like it's not. You don't have to pick and choose. It's not, not everything's so black and white. And I feel like he's trying to make it like that. Right. And like you said, he's definitely a troll. But like, dude, like enough. Like he gets too much attention sometimes. And it's like, yeah. buddy, like enough, enough. <laughs> um, but hey, uh, with that closing segment, crying, whining, you know, this kid fucking. If you ever see if you see him have some ludicrous take, Send it to myself at underscore. Actually, no, you can't send it to me because I am blocked. Send it to <laughs> at Nick, send it to at Nick Melanson underscore. Send it to at Bruin something. Or if you want to stay sneaky about it, take a screenshot and just DM one of us, and we'll and we'll talk about it on the pod. Because I want this crying Wyan segment to be a legit thing. Because this kid needs to be called out for his bullshit. <laughs> um, but with with that being said. Thank you all for listening to um, episode 46 of the Something's Brewing podcast, the debut of Crying Wyan. I want to remind everybody that we do play EASHL. I struggle to say that every time. Um, I do too. On Thursday nights on Twitch at 8.30 p.m. sharp. You can follow our Twitter account or our Twitch account. Sorry. Um, on Twitch at Something's Brewing Podcast. We go live. You know, you guys can hop in the chat, watch us play some NHL. We dominate, you know. Um, Light work. Yeah, it's always fun. You know, it's a little off-season fun thing to do. Um, but outside of that, you can follow our Twitter account at Bruin Something. No G at the end. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. 
You can also follow our YouTube page at Something's Brewing. And I want to remind everybody that we are proudly brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. We also have a couple of new podcasts on the network. Uh, Puck Off with Andrew from Short Shift and Chris Nosek. And, and Chris Nosek, who I host a live Monday show every Monday at 7 o'clock, What's Brewing?, they have a new show coming out called uh, Puck Off. They talk all things NHL. It's going to be a great show. I'm psyched for that. I can't wait to listen. The first episode actually dropped today. I'll probably be listening to that at work tomorrow. Um, and we also have the Drop the Mitts hockey podcast it, with myself and Chris Davis. That first episode will be recorded this Thursday before me and Mel go live on Twitch. So be on the lookout for that. And outside of that, you can always follow the um, the 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 you know the the shows already on the network. Only Bruins, us here on Something's Brewing, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, Short Shift Pod, all the boys. We're here to get you through the off season. We're here to talk you through the couple of months leading up until September and the preseason and development camp. Development camp is coming up in the next couple of weeks so that will be fun to kind of look into and see what's up and what's going on there but that was long-winded i'm out of that was (laughs) and before i pass out i want to say thank you all for listening thank you all for contributing to the show and listening and helping us all get through the off season it's greatly appreciated it doesn't go unnoticed um and yeah Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. We're getting dangerously close to the podcast having more Twitter followers than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that today. I was like, nice, dude. The pod's doing. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs>